Oh, it's your favorite time of the week. All your work is done, and it's time to relax. So come, grab some friends, and let's get lit and join the rotation. You are now in the rotation with Suncoast Normal. We are your host, your Suncoast Normal Executive Board, and we say it's time to legalize it. Goodness, it is Sunday of President's Day weekend. Do you know where your president is? Do you know where my president is? I know where we are. We're at 1714 West 7th Avenue in Ybor City, where it all began. And we're about to jump into the rotation. Welcome, welcome, welcome on this Sunday. It's about time we go ahead and take a little break from uh, all the madness of the week and talk about the madness that's right here, right here in the, in the cannabis industry. And of course, uh, let's start out by introducing ourselves. My name is Gary Stein. I'm the political director of Suncoast Normal and star of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me if anybody saw it. If they didn't, pretend I didn't say that. Right next to us, I have uh, Carlos Angel Jose Armida, which is the best Spanglish impression that I could ever do. And he is our deputy director. How are you doing today, Carlos? Sup. Sup, everybody. Sup. That, that, How's everybody doing? Is that sup going capital on? S or I'm not S? some sort of like journalist. I'm not even an engineer. I don't even know what I'm doing here. You do a darn good job of it. Thank you, sir. And from above the beltway, hitting him below the beltway, we have Chris Kano, our executive director, who has always suffered the inimitable position of being able to watch everything that's going on the hill and not go mad. So, Chris, <laughs> are you going, mad, you going mad this week? Can you can you hear us, Chris? <laughs> hey, Chris. I I can hear y'all. I just I'm trying to figure out what is going on with my computer here. Well, it's probably messed up by the war on drugs. Yo, you know there what happened the other day? The <laughs> dare was like right on 7th Avenue. I couldn't believe my eyes. They're like all about mental health now. I, just, I don't trust them with mental health. They screwed up drugs, you know? <laughs> I don't know they didn't screw up drugs. They did, a, they did a darn good job on the drug trade. In fact, more people became more aware of drugs from the dare program than they could have learned on their own. I definitely learned how to buy weed by, by the dare program. That is right. The dare program <laughs> helps learn how to buy weed. Yeah, you, you hear that dare officer come in front of the classroom and say, you know that guy in the corner sitting there with, with the uh, the shoe hanging over there? Don't go there because that's where the drugs are. So if you want to avoid drugs, don't go to the guy on the corner with the shoe hanging over there because there you can buy drugs and you don't want to do that. And guess what they did? <laughs> Young people as they normally are. They started doing more in the way of drugs. Well, it's, it's not unusual that, that, that a government program actually does exactly the opposite of what it does. And, we, you know, I, I made fun of the uh, the war on drugs what? just a moment ago, but uh, it actually has not been a war on drugs as much as it's been a war on people. And it's been a war for drugs because it's actually created more crime and more disillusionment by making it illegal. Now, we have a bill coming up this, this session that is never going to get into first, its first committee done by Representative Joseph. And basically what it does is what other states have already done in decriminalizing all drugs. And people are saying, why would you want to do that? And it has to do with what is a theory called harm reduction. Basically, you're taking the control of the drug trade away from the criminal element and giving it back to doctors and pharmacists and people who can actually prescribe it properly or monitor it properly. And possibly we can get involved with those folks who will basically at that at one point in time do anything for their drugs, including using broken crack pipes to, uh, to try to, to smoke. And it's, people it's... are getting, they're getting burned, they're getting cut, and yet they, they still continue to do it. And so the government and the HHS actually put out a program that included giving clean pipes to addicts so that, that they wouldn't get burned by that. Is and, that what we were going to talk about this morning, clean crack pipes by Joe Biden? No, I just kind of, well, I, I, throw, I wanted to throw that out there. Because Are we the, the crack 
uh, <laughs> organization for reform of crack. Well, there there was a, a, a there, there, there was a crazy new rumor out there that uh, the government was putting out three million thirty million dollars of crack pipes and delivering it to the black community to increase crack usage, and that of course is exactly the opposite of what they're actually trying to do. They're trying to gain the trust of those people out there on the streets Whoa. by saying that we can give you a safer means to help get you into treatment, perhaps, and get get you get you off those drugs that do, that do have high addictive properties. Now that is, is not Whoa. as much the issue on cannabis, but it is an issue on other drugs. Well, what a great segue! Today our guest is Mariah Barnhart. <laughs> yeah, in the Secret Square <laughs> below me, having absolutely so, nothing to do with so what I every, just said. Everybody knows why we 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 went on a rant about crack pipes, and you know, um, that that wasn't the intent for today's show. <laughs> no. but, but, but the thing is, you, but you told me I had to be my best behavior because Mo was coming, and I need to, you know. Hone down anything that tell you, you had to be war. on your best behavior. You, said that, well, you, you said, said that you were going to be on your best behavior. All I said was, "What's up, Gary?" And you said, "Don't worry, I'm going to be good." Yeah, and that's cool. That's whatever. But you know, I just you know uh, would like to let people know why there is like a a box on the bottom of the screen that's you know has Mariah Barnhart in it. What's up, Mo? Um, not much. I can see why you needed me on the show today. Nowhere else I'd rather be right now. It happens. It happens. It, 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 Gary it was a starts long intro. saying things, and and I don't know where we end up, but it ends up for like a colorful show. You know what I mean? I mean, we're we're totally unscripted here for a reason. So I'm not certain what it is yet, but so, it's true. So we first off, Mariah, thank you for being on the show today. Absolutely. And second, Mariah, um, you know, I thought just to let you know, this is to let everybody know, this is an impromptu thing. I just like texted her this morning and just said, hey, be on the show today. I'll send you the link in a little bit. And she was she was awesome uh, enough to be on the show today. I thought a good topic for today's show would be going back to Florida politics. And Mariah here um, is heavily involved in um, everything going on in politics, wanting to get a wise woman's perspective on what's going on. Uh, Mariah is also, you know, uh, in addition to all the, the whole cannabis thing, she's, you know, a, a big influence for, for women in, can in the cannabis industry in Florida. And, you know, um, yeah, wanted to go ahead and talk about that. I think we've had so many great guests on the show. We need to get back to Florida. And he, he used the word wise in his, uh, in his topic, because I think that's a segue. So if you, if you want to go ahead and, and run with that, let's start with that. Yeah, so WISE Florida is the women's initiative for a safe and equitable Florida, and we're kind of creating a blueprint, hopefully, to go much farther and have federal impact. But with Canamoms, we saw so much success pulling at heartstrings and then matching that up with the science. And we're just kind of moving to a broader, you know, this isn't just about my daughter. It's not just about sick children. This is about everyone. This is about America. This is about our society, our communities, our neighbors, our children. And cannabis is not deadly, but prohibition is. And the war on drugs, as you all were just discussing, has been so harmful um, that I really think the moms need to start coming out, not only being educated on how harmful this has been, but then educating our neighbors, because as moms, that's what we do. I mean, even when it comes to alcohol, one of the, one of the biggest... Uh influencers out there are the moms against drunk driving they they, they they along with students against drunk driving have, have, have done an immense amount to to help curtail teenage drinking and teenage drinking and driving well even <laughs> so alcohol prohibition you know alcohol prohibition relied heavily on the advocacy and lobbying of mothers and then ending alcohol prohibition a lot of those same mothers who are at the forefront of implementing it realized the mistakes and then um, were protesting prohibition and bringing it to an end. And so I think we've seen throughout history how impactful this demographic is and why no one really touts that power is because it, it kind of surpasses most other demographics in terms of how impactful it can be. And so the only opposition really left is what about the children? So if we're addressing that head on and instead of fearing for our children, we're saying you should have already been fearing for our children. This has already been harmful. Uh, cannabis itself is a safe plant. 
but the lies that have been spread through the D.A.R.E. program and since the war on drugs was implemented, we know now that those harms are almost irreparable. For many people, they are. They are have spent their life in prison. They're dead. They've lost fathers. They've lost children. You know, you have seven-year-olds being shot to death on their couch in no-knock raids. Everyone should be up in arms about ending prohibition. You know, it's interesting that the two major mo uh, political movements uh, besides antitrust at the beginning of the 20th century was not only uh, su suffrage, which was making certain that women had a voice in government and a voice in, in, in our representative government, but also temperance. And temperance, uh, even though it, it was a uh, issue that affected everybody, it, it was led by a cadre of very strong women who actually went out there to try to change things. And yes, it was changed in, in the wrong direction for a couple of years. And we learned that because making alcohol illegal made crime grow, which was basically what I was talk talking about just prior to that. I was getting segue to it, but I was taking so long to get there. I understand how you, how you were getting upset. But that's Something about where crack I, I was between. Going. You know, like the first part of the show, not the best part time to do a rant, Gary. I'm just saying, like, maybe we should just, like, get things started first. I, that's why I had to get going on crack pipes and stuff like that, man. Like, I want to talk about crack pipes, but still, you know. <laughs> 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 well, I will say in regards to Florida being my home state and starting in my own backyard, we've just seen a lot of repetition and you can't continue to repeat failures. And so I think that, you know, as a mother of a critically ill child who's still been on chemotherapy for, you know, nine years almost this year, I really wouldn't have openly taken the position of having to stand at the forefront of that fight. But I think when you see repeat failures and no one stepping to the plate to shake it up or to do the things that you see are out points, fulfilling voids, I really think that it's time that the moms come to the forefront, educate our communities, make this about awareness and um, in prohibition here. So Mariah, we're like less than a month away from the Florida legislative session from being over. Right. What would you like to see happen? Where, where are we at now in the session? Where would you like to see this session go? I feel like media needs to be more involved. So we know that a lot of these bills introduced weren't meant to move and or can't. So I think that we need to be hopeful. We still need to be writing in our legislators. There is one thing that Florida can has been really good about bringing up repeatedly is that we need telehealth. So a lot of the people for whom the medical marijuana program in Florida was created are disabled. They're homebound. Um, they're bedridden even. And requiring them to travel whatever the distance is between their home and the first doctor who's actually certified to recommend cannabis is um, it's ridiculous and it's harmful. And so when we're pushing for adult use, these legislators need to realize that they're getting us one step closer every time they make this medical program more difficult, more costly, and less accessible, really. Let me be more clear. So we need to be writing in our legislators about telehealth. I think that's the most we can hope for out of this session, but that's not to say that we can't get more out of it. We still need people to feel hopeful, to be writing in so that media will pick it up, so that people can be educated that the medical program is not working, that it's not enough, and that there are social justice issues involved um, with ending the program there because there are still gonna be people disproportionately harmed until prohibition is ended altogether. So I think in the next month, and then in the months following that, the most we're going to see is uh, media and awareness and education, which are extremely important if we are actually going to see adult use by 2024, which is very realistic in Florida. If we don't continue to do the same things we've been doing, replicating failures, change it up, um, and come in with a new perspective, reaching mainstream and the community both, bringing the community together, that's been a huge outpoint. The community hasn't really agreed on anything thus far. So bringing the community itself together and then going out to the mainstream, raising awareness and educating on what the harms of prohibition have been, um, how deadly the war on drugs has been. And, you know, letting legislators know, if we don't let them know by next year that the mainstream is taking us seriously and we have a very good likelihood of getting a ballot initiative passed, 
they're not going to feel cornered into passing legislation. I've been told year after year that they watch who um, we allow to self-proclaim as leaders in this movement, and then they go home and laugh. They don't feel pressured into passing anything because they don't feel that we're getting very far. So if we come together as a community, unite, and show them that we are going to get stuff done, they're likely to uh, move stuff along in Tallahassee. Now, we're at a tipping point right now in the, in the uh, session where we're about to segue from all the committees onto more of the, uh, the floor votes in the House and the Senate. And that means if bills that have been uh, filed this last year have not gotten to their first committee by this week, they are essentially dead because they cannot get to the rest of the committees in order to make it forward. And so we're getting a clearer idea as to what they want passed this year and what they don't even want to be heard. And that, I think one of the most heinous things is that these bills, many of which were not necessarily meant to pass, they were at least meant to start the conversation. And that was prevented as well. Do you find that to be a major frustration? Yeah, so I also feel a major obligation and failure on my part. So when people like us go to the media and pitch this story, generally they do pick it up. Um, and so I feel that there has been a lot of wasted time and opportunity to get the media involved and get them not just following and presenting the info, but explaining why people are still pushing for this. You know, I think that there's a couple of approaches that are just ingenious this year. But as a single mom of a pediatric cancer kid, I'm just one person when we're each only just one person. So I do think that you're absolutely right that we're seeing what, what is and isn't important to the legislature. But I also feel a sense of my own lacking, and I hope in the next few months, uh, maybe to make amends for that and, and put these op-eds out. We're at a place in history where the entire country is touting some of our higher up Republicans as these freedom fighters over the pandemic, when in reality, if that were the case, cannabis would be the litmus test. And that's the message that needs to get out right now. You hit while the iron's hot. And I think that certain messaging would just be extremely impactful at this exact moment in time. I think you're absolutely right that once we get to this point in the session, we know what, what things they don't want to be heard. So it's up to us to start the conversations publicly so that we can actually start to address this in the, in the following session. And of course, during that time, especially in, that, in an election year, we need to find those people who are interested in moving this conversation forward. Because as much as you, you no matter how much you tried in this last session during these, these first, this first half to get bills to move forward, no matter what you do, leadership of the majority party is going to decide what is going to move forward and what is not. And what they decided this year was they are only going to take those bills that are politically inflammatory and to make the, the media so get, get so absorbed by it that it basically, <clears throat> it basically moves away from the, the things that are really important that need to get done. It's basically a distraction. And it's even possible that after all this is said and done, that the bills they put out are so egregious that they don't pass, then we have nothing. And I will say my do, biggest failure in, in advocacy to date for me would be if I don't successfully tap into that right now. There has been, like I said with Canamoms, um, we can tout our hard work and our appearances and our speaking you know, abilities, and we can tout so many things about each individual or each group that helped but it was just the right moment in time and we seized it, right? And this is the right moment in time with the COVID stuff and the anti-masks and vaccine mandates and freedom fighting. And this is the right time in a Republican supermajority trifecta in the state of Florida to tap into that messaging that if these Republicans truly believed in personal freedoms, this would be the number one telltale sign. And we know that Republicans are in favor of this, voters, and to bring to light the disconnect between voters and the elected officials, who instead of recognizing themselves as servants, call themselves leaders. This is the time for Republicans to see that the people they're voting into office do not feel obligated to fulfill the will of the people if they're against the will of the people, right? It was, it's an interesting, difurcated uh, job that we offer them. They are supposed to be our servants. This is a rep representative government, so they're supposed to go out there and do our bidding. But they can't do it unless they serve a leadership role in the legislature to move forward your thoughts into that situation. So they have to do both, essentially, in two different worlds.
I got to say, I'm kind of like, I, I'm sitting here and I'm listening to you guys talk and I, I'm a little disheartened. Like, uh, you know, I'm wondering where things are going to go this this session. And it seems like all we can do is educate and that nothing's going to happen. Right. Like, I, is that I what would I'm take a different approach, Carlos. I do believe and I believed this long before session. I believed this last year um, and then leading up to session. And I was vocal about this. This was not meant to create legislation that was going to pass. This was meant to create an opportunity for us to get the media picking this story up, to educate our neighbors, because we are going to have to pass something in 2024, likely amongst ourselves. And so what we need to be doing is setting the stage for that now, getting these messages out, um, having the public you know, come to the realization that this is not a partisan issue and that if these Republicans truly believed in personal freedoms, this would be something they would be supporting. Um, these, a lot of these politicians don't move until they're strong-armed. And that happens with the media. That happens with public messaging. That happens when their voters are constantly being reminded of what they are and aren't doing. And that's where we need to be, is reminding the voters um, to a degree where next session we'll see some movement and in between, we're going to see some movement. I mean, someone like me, I see more movement throughout the year than I ever do in session. Um, so it's not like, you know, your correspondence with your politicians ends when session ends or starts when session starts. But I think that this is the most hopeful. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know a, an appropriate way to explain it because I guess you're right. It does sound disheartening. This is the most hopeful I've ever been to push adult use forward in Florida. We have two years to do it and we need to be hitting the ground running this session with the messaging that I'm talking about, getting the media, picking it up, writing op-eds and taking every opportunity to do media when it's um, necessary. And throughout the next year, have them be strong-armed into fulfilling the will of the voters to a certain degree. And if they don't do what we want them to do, have the voters be paying enough attention that they're willing to pass something on behalf of you know, the state. If I hadn't picked one particular positive thing that's been happening over the last year is that red states, not too far from Florida this year, are actually taking on the topics of actually moving forward with medical programs, moving forward with adult use programs like Mississippi, like South Carolina, where these are, these are states we would never have thought that would be ahead of Florida. But right now, they're jumping ahead. And that's got to have some kind of impact on the, the, uh, the legislation here in Florida. I agree. Well, Gary, what we're seeing, though, in those states like South Carolina and Mississippi is the same thing we saw here in Florida, a very limited program where they don't want to add, have people have access to flour. They don't want people to have access to grow it at home. Um, they want to control it very tightly. And what we've seen is that from a law enforcement perspective, that is being used as a crutch in order to allow certain entities to essentially bribe their way or or, or graft their way into the industry uh, and corner the market. You know, uh, uh, yeah, call it lobbying if you want, but the corruption trial in Tallahassee most recently will tell you that uh, uh, it's not lobbying, it's corruption. So and, I would and, be remiss not to mention exactly what you're talking about. When I am so tired not having slept and being sprung on me at the last minute to do this show, um, part of the reason I'm so hopeful at <laughs> this fault. moment in time is that our market is doubling. And whereas you might have seen um, licensees previously who rested on their laurels and felt that people were going to shop at wherever was closest to them, you're going to see a lot of new MMTCs coming in, one, for their own personal vested interests. They want to see adult use because they understand that the time frame for actual profit is in those few years that our market is still closed, but adult use is coming. And then two, um, you know, there's gonna be a lot more competition. And because of that, people are gonna want their names known for things that the community supports to get more consumers to purchase from them. And now when they, when they first put the bill forward on, on 1040, uh, that, 1030 rather, they had said that if we had a full medical program that was associated with amendment two, we would have a market of approximately 550,000 people. And we are way beyond that right now, but we can still see that without reciprocity and, and other issues and, and, and expansion of uh, existing conditions, we are gonna reach a plateau in the amount of, of people who can, who can be in the market and access the market. And so therefore, those people who are the capitalists out there in, in society, the multi-state multi organizations and some of the MMTCs that are out there right now, they have to start thinking the only way their market is going to continue to grow is if we do have adult use. 
or at least reciprocity, but they're fighting that that as well. Yeah, I think that we're going to slowly see this session and next telehealth and reciprocity be major issues. And uh, once we're hitting that plateau, which we already likely are, it's not uh, moving as fast, right? The growth isn't consistent anymore. Um, so once we're hitting that plateau of medical, and a lot of people, what they're finding now that the numbers are in is exactly what we said all those years ago. People are getting their medical cards to feel that sense of protection while not actually purchasing from the MMTCs. And so it's a smart business move to say with the millions of tourists coming into Florida every year, right now, hitting while the iron's hot with the messaging that if these Republicans truly believed in freedom, they would be pro-legalization. And also with the COVID-impacted um, economy, that this is a way to really revive that. And in Florida, with tourism being our number one industry, you put all of those things together and uh, there's just no way that it doesn't make sense to anyone. So if we can get the voters speaking on behalf of that and putting pressure on the legislators, I think we finally have a winning approach. Okay, so reciprocity, reciprocity, telehealth, and education. Oh. I turned my mic off. I'm sorry. So I, I uh, thought you sounded kind of low today. Reciprocity, telehealth, and education. That's that's the positives for for right now, right? Um, to prepare for, for, you know, no, I think those are things we're still pushing for under the medical program. So perhaps next year, if we do a really good job this year of continuing to educate why the medical program is still failing and expand in those regards, not only that, but as Gary mentioned, uh, widening the pool of people who are eligible, um, basically everybody is having to be diagnosed with PTSD right now. And so uh, between all of those things, spending this year educating to, to do that, genuinely, you have two reasons, genuinely to help the patients, right? As the mom of a pediatric cancer child, uh, that's where my heart is. But there's m more vulnerable demographics than just sick kids. So simultaneously, while we're pushing for these expansions and the betterment of our current program, to be utilizing that lobbying and that activism to educate the public on how and why this program is simply not enough for several reasons. One, for the other vulnerable demographics that prohibition is harming, but also simply for the patients. It's not enough for them. It's too expensive and it's inaccessible. So it's an important topic of conversation on why when this comes onto a ballot, they're going to vote out of sympathy, a lot of people, the way they did for Amendment 2. Well, th this is where we're trying to move forward, right? Um, so uh, is there any legislation that could pass this session that could move us backwards? <laughs> Gary, I'll let Are you take this one stand first. still? <laughs> Well, anyway. we, 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 are, we are moving backwards in, in a number of things. Uh, it, one particular thing is that they, leadership has so, were, were so bowled over by the fact that we were able to pass Amendment 4 and pass the, the bill in regards to giving felons the right to vote back that they decided to go ahead and start putting through measures that make it harder for citizen initiatives to go forward, making it nearly impossible for the average person who doesn't have several million in their back pocket to be able to get a, a, a citizen initiative on the ballot at all. And after that, all you have is joint resolutions that come from the legislature to get onto the ballot. And essentially, in this representative government, they have taken out the voters' direct uh, access to the government and stuck it straight back to only through the legislators. And again, that filter doesn't always work because they have other agendas. Okay. If I had to say I was the negative, I'd say that was it right there. Yeah, that's, that's pretty shady. <laughs> <laughs> now, we, we forgot to mention this earlier. Now, you, you, you formed a new organization called WISE. Now, I know it's not women in spatial engineering. It's something, something that looked more having to do with cannabis. And would you explain what WISE is and what its mission is and what you hope to see going forward? Sure. So Women's Initiative for a Safe and Equitable Florida was founded actually just uh, last year. And the goal initially was laying the groundwork for education so that whichever route this was going to be pushed forward, whether through legislature or through a ballot initiative, um, that people were educated enough on the harms of prohibition, the benefits of legalization, that they would be either helping to get a bill passed or willing to vote yes on an amendment. As we move forward, you know, we launched at a time when the Supreme Court was shooting all of the lawsuits down that would, you know, help 
cannabis in Florida. And at a time when just a, a lot of bad news was coming in. And now we've seen the ballot initiatives, um, you know, fail over and over again. And I think that we're at a time when we can probably safely say uh, we need we need some new voices and they need to be uh, diverse, right? You can't have one person. So as the mom of a critically ill child, I'm seeing things and speaking from this vantage point. So we need to have multiple people, multiple different backgrounds, reasons that they're fighting, um, speaking on these different messages and platforms so that we're reaching everyone and that everyone has, you know, something that opens their eyes and ears and lets them even desire to be more educated so that we can move this thing forward. The people who invented prohibition understood one basic thing, and that is that those in power make the rules. And so therefore, <clears throat> if you have the ability to control the, the message, you have the ability to control the situation. So you had people like Hearst who, in the communication industry putting a lot of money towards fake uh, journalism to push out the, the idea throughout the, the public that drugs were bad. And I would be honest with you to say that if Harry Anslinger was not the commissioner of the Bureau of Narcotics, but say, for instance, the commissioner of agriculture of some small southern state, would we have prohibition right now? No, because he was in a higher position. He was, he was able to control the message. He was able to control the movement, and he was able to garner enough uh, support monetarily and politically to move forward this idea of prohibition. Had there, had there been less Power towards him had there been less money in it, like from <clears throat> from the Duponts and from the uh, and from from the Hearst family and things of that sort, we wouldn't have that right now. So, but we but we are we are the grassroots folks. So how well, do we flip that around? Moving from prohibition to the war on drugs, a lot of people I think believe that this this all just kind of happened, right? This was a very gradual and intentional process. And while we know racism might have been at the roots of the original intent behind prohibition and moving that forward, what we saw with the actual war on drugs, um, you know, the most beloved, you know, first lady and, and people, you know, high up, what they were doing in the media, if you recall, and we should actually probably go back and find and, and make new videos out of those videos, they were appealing to mothers. This was all about keeping your children safe because there was a lot of controversy over how we were going to address the epidemic of addiction in America. And there has been no epidemic so great as the addiction epidemic that has grown exponentially under the war on drugs. We know that it's a failed war. We know that racism was at the roots of implementing prohibition, but that also politicians didn't want to lose the organized crime money that they were getting from alcohol prohibition, and this was a new way to, to refund those politicians. And there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes from prohibition to the war on drugs launch um, that I think makes it logical to say, uh, putting moms at the forefront, meeting that message head on, what about the children? This is about the children. The war on drugs has created a country of addicts and has created epidemics of um, disproportionate arrests and prosecution rates and injury. And to really bring these moms out, educate the mainstream. And I think that that's the last domino to fall. We've seen every other argument. You know, if, if comparing cannabis to alcohol was going to legalize it in Florida, we would have seen that happen half a decade ago. Um, if one messenger or one voice or, or one message was going to get the point across, we would have seen that. Florida is a diverse, unique state. Um, I think, you know, there are a lot of people who, who wanted to spell that. And you see repeatedly that that's not successful. And so that is a true statement. We need to be addressing multiple demographics in the state of Florida. And we need to be doing it in a way that people are willing to open their ears and eyes. For most mainstream people, this topic is annoying. They've been hearing about marijuana in Florida for a decade and they just want it to be over with. So if we can tap into those people and say, this is why you're still hearing about it. The medical program was never sufficient. It's way too expensive for most um, people with disabled children, people who are disabled themselves, disabled vets, et cetera, and tap into that demographic to let them know why they're still hearing about it, continue the education process until it's on a ballot in front of them. And then when they're going to vote yes or no, our messaging from now until then will really hit home with them, I think. 
Now, of course, you have to realize that the other side has their fair share of, of female advocates. If you look at some, a, a lot of the people who were involved in uh, drug-free America, for, for instance, if you look just at the, the chapter of man, drug-free manatee, you'll see that, they, that most of the management there are female, and most of the mess, messengers out there are also women. And so they, they've tapped into that. And right, they, we're they, fighting they, fire with fire. We've seen that that was the only leg the opposition had left to stand on was what about the children? And uh, it was also interesting to note that uh, Dare was exactly the opposite. It was a lot more uh, testosterone-driven. And it was, it was no, no, all... that's not true. So it, it was in, just like the Florida industry, they use women as, like, token. All the women who worked to get the program built in Florida and whose stories, you know, pulled at the heartstrings, those women are still at the forefront in Florida, but they're token now. So a bunch of men came in bought everything, and then placed those women in, like, marketing positions or, at, you know. And so that was the same with D.A.R.E. was you can say that it was testosterone-driven and it was behind the scenes because it all comes down to capitalism, right? Everything in this country comes down to numbers and economy. And so men were running the show behind the scenes, but the heartstrings that were pulled at, the reason that that D.A.R.E. program was in every school and um, the reason that they got access to children the way they did, all of that was through mothers. And so that was the advocacy. We're kind of trying to replicate that type of advocacy, but rather than just be puppets for some guys behind the, sh the, the scene who are, you know, trying to make money, we're actually creating the platform that we as women are going out and speaking to our communities on behalf of. And we have to realize that racism was not necessarily the impetus for, the, for, the, uh, for, for prohibition. It was a tool that the capitalists used in order to make it happen because it, it, it pulled out those heartstrings. And for that matter, unfortunately, we've, many people have used the power of the female voice as a tool, as a means to the end. And then they used folks as, as tokens, essentially, as opposed to it being a, a, a female-driven organization. And that's what I was basically getting at in regards to, to Dara's concern. I, I think that when you use something as a tool, you, you don't have the, uh, the proper usage of it. Well, or your your you know these misguided mothers. If you're really a mom who's genuinely concerned about your own children and your neighbor's children, you can't help. At this point in history, there is no way not to see the numbers, the statistics are there, the information's there, the education is there. It's at our fingertips, and if we're genuinely concerned about the children in our society, there can be no other logical in conclusion than that the war on drugs has to end. And first and foremost, prohibition is right at our fingertips. Cannabis prohibition is the easiest uh, first domino in that series. And I think it's interesting, even as women come in, I'm the first voice many people have heard say, um, we can't end federal prohibition. We can't legalize federally. The DEA even cites in their petition denials that global treaties don't allow us to deschedule past um, a Schedule II, and which would be extremely harmful for all of us. And so um, I think we've, we've been being played around with, with long enough from both sides, the pro-cannabis uh, and the opposing cannabis and behind the scenes. You know, not everyone's goal is just to end this. To, to help our children and our society and move forward. And I don't care that it's capitalism and people are making money off of it one way or the other. I just care that it gets done. So however that needs to happen, I think this is the first time we're seeing a truly women-built uh, mission and, and women carrying out the messages as well. So rather than most times that you see something that's, that's very women-oriented and women at the forefront, a lot of the times you're going to find some some big male voices behind those women. And while don't get me wrong, I'm sitting here talking to you guys. I work with men all the time. Um, when Sally first introduced me to Steve Fox, he jumped right in and was excited to take this on. Um, and so we need men and we love men, but we do wanna make it clear that this is a women formed, women created and woman run uh, mission and message because it's really important that people know we really are mothers who are scared for our own children and other people's children. What do you see as, as why is this mission going forward? What, 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 are, you, what are your, your, your uh, short-term and long-term objectives? 
Well, I'd say um, I like dreaming big, but I think it's always safest publicly to just say we are here to legalize cannabis in the state of Florida. We're here to end prohibition. Um, and I think that we're taking the correct approach by mothers speaking on behalf of how harmful this war has been on children from no-knock raids to imprisonments to disparity rates to the medical program being inaccessible and too expensive even for children like my own. I think that with all of those different messagings coming from different women and different demographics um, who you know might support or oppose cannabis prohibition for different reasons, I think we're on the right track, finally. I think this is the shakeup that Florida needed and we're just at the right time to be talking about personal freedoms and economy. And those are such huge points of prohibition versus legalization that this is just the right time in history to get it done if we have the right people uh, sending those messages out. Now, you, you got to give it to the uh, the minority party over in uh, the majority party in Tallahassee because they are consummate politicians and they are extremely, extremely good at what they do. If you just look at, say, for instance, any of the bills having to do with abortion over the last decade, almost every single one of them, you'll find they find a female legislator to move it forward, be it Kelly Stargell, be it Cl uh, Colleen Burton, be it any of those. You usually will see the female. You won't see a guy file that bill first. And, right. that, and that is not by, by serendipity. It is, it is exactly what you say. That, that well, they're, they're, you know, they're I said this in. with moms all the time, but it was this weird realization I had that I always felt like a, a strong woman and, you know, I took care of my children. Their health and their lives were my responsibility. But like so many other women, as soon as I leave my home, everyone else is the expert. You've got cops overseeing what's legal. You've got politicians writing what's legal. You've got doctors telling you what's safe. And so I just think we're at a place in history where we as women need to sit down and have a conversation with ourselves and with each other, take that power back. At first, if you look at the last presidential race, just do a quick Google search for the last presidential race and either the mom vote or you know women polls, there was so much psychology and research and money spent on our demographic. These people realized how powerful we are and how much impact we can have. So if we also realize that and we come together and we are making impacts in our own local communities and then statewide, and it's ironic you bring up the abortion bill because right now that's what we're looking into. Once Florida's legal and we're moving to this nationwide stage and we know that we can't just federally legalize like that against global treaties, um, I think that that abortion lawsuit is the exact lawsuit to follow, the, you know, step-by-step uh, step that basically the federal government uh, should relinquish oversight to the states on this issue for now. Now, federally, we've had many bills that have been filed since 1972, and nearly all of them were, were, were filed by men, especially in the last one with Dana Rohrbacher and those kind of folks. But all of a sudden, we have a bill in the House that is actually being uh, <clears throat> pushed by a female member of the, of the Republican Party, uh, Congressman Mays. Chris, how is that bill moving forward? Is it moving forward because there's a different voice involved? I mean, bipartisanship is a joke in, in Washington, okay? Um, plain and simple, what we're going to see move forward is whatever leadership wants to move forward. Uh, we've seen the MORE Act is something that, uh, you know, we can get through the House. And uh, in April, we're expecting uh, the Cannabis Administration Opportunity Act uh, to be introduced into the Senate. And I would look to see that one of those two pieces of legislation for right now end up being the ones uh, that end up, you know, at the finish line. I, I doubt very much that a Republican-sponsored bill in, in a Democrat-controlled uh, House and Senate is going to move anywhere, just like as we've seen um, any bills that we've tried to move through in a Republican-controlled uh, state go absolutely nowhere. It almost sounds like you're saying that if we have a Republican uh, pushing the bill at a time when, when there is a, a slim or, or none uh, majority in regards to the Democrats' concern, they're putting it out there knowing it's not going, to, not going to move forward, and therefore people will see them in a different light, and so therefore the agenda is not exactly to pass it, but just to have said that you wanted to try to pass it. 
Yeah, I, I mean, look, uh, we had Rep Learned on here a few weeks ago, and he talked about uh, how great this bipartisan bill he's doing with Spencer Roach is. And the fact of the matter is, is it's political theatrics. The, it, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, all the savings that that he's trying to pitch to us, uh, to the patients in the bill, uh, you know, yeah, it's there are some savings in there, but but the, the vast majority of this bill is for the purpose of saying, look, we can work together. When in actuality, when it comes down to actually getting stuff done. They're not. They're not And let me just point out, so first of all, people should be, I've never been a proponent of the 50-50 nation. People should be more aware right now that those politicians you elect are not the same Democrat and Republican voters that are your neighbors. They don't believe in personal freedoms and uh, these politicians that are proving to us that they're not fulfilling the will of the voters need to be voted out. This is a time in history where we have more of a chance of keeping an eye on this than ever before. And so as a mom, I've just been lamenting the entire show about how Carlos is hopeless and how we created this sense of hopelessness. <laughs> so here's a good, um, a really, really good outtake from that. And Chris, I'd love to talk with you more um, just in general about federal, because I think it's really important to do these things kind of simultaneously. But um, Gary, good point on what Chris was saying, is that the Republicans knew this wasn't going to move, and they introduced it anyway. So the Republicans know that their voters are now looking at this under a microscope as an issue of personal freedoms that these Republicans have been touting that they're proponents of over COVID. And Florida really needs to tap into that. Um, so that's a really, really good and positive movement forward is that these Republican politicians now know that their voters are looking at cannabis as an issue of personal freedoms, which really coincides with the atmosphere of the pandemic. I guess it comes down to short term and long term goals. Uh, a lot of people, they do file bills that are they're omnibus bills. I mean, Hinson over in, in uh, Alachua County right now put together a, a, a a legalization bill that was 120 pages or so. It was a great bill, and it didn't go forward at all, but she made her point that <clears throat> all these things have to be discussed, and how soon can we have it done? Let's remember that uh, Jeff um, Clemens put through the, the Kathy Jordan Act in 2013. No way that it was ever going to have a chance of passing, and look how far we had to get before. Well, and three years later, place. we passed the um, – constitutional amendment. And that's why I say with all of the bills being introduced, and if we can tap into the media picking them up, letting our neighbors know what's going on, keeping this topic going. So that's exactly right. So the next year they passed that low THC bill, right? And it was with the intention of offsetting the public perception that broader legislation was needed. And still we, we persevered and we pushed through and got the full medical program passed in 2000. 16? I'm saying that right, aren't I? As yep. I'm saying it, it suddenly doesn't sound right. because Yeah, yeah we, 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 it okay, passed so, in 2016 and the bill um, was 2017. So that's what we're doing right now. This year, more cannabis legislation was introduced than ever before, I think, in Florida history. And so you're yeah. starting to see this, this new, um, you know, cycle, right? And so all I'm saying is you can be the best spokesperson and have the best messaging and PR and, and, all of that, but if it's not the right time, it's not the right time. And so hitting right now, while it's the right time, the pandemic atmosphere of freedoms and a Republican supermajority trifecta in the state of Florida, um, now is the right time to hit this for personal freedoms, for economy, and then on the other side of that, for the things that we discuss, uh, from you know maybe social justice issues all the way to patients not being able to get access under the current medical program. So is Wise positioning themselves in a certain way to go ahead and move forward with, with your agenda in a certain pattern? Is, is there any particular way you're, you plan on moving forward? Is it through more, more, more legislation, more lobbying, more education? Which, which way are you going? Yeah, and so we, just like with Moms, started out um, doing all of the above. And I think that it, it kind of took, you know, the Supreme Court shooting down those lawsuits, um, you know, it was just like one hit after the other right at launch last March. And so now as we're coming up on our first year and we'll be transitioning the board, um, I think that we've just garnered so much insight, which MMTCs feel that they have to be competitive, which feel that they genuinely want to help the consumers who are paying their bills. Um, you know, you've just seen all of these different things, which legislators are willing to actually 
work on meaningful and impactful bipartisan legislation and um, you know where this is going in regards to a potential ballot initiative needing to pass in 2024 and what needs to happen between legislation and education over the next um, year because we have this session and we knew what was going to happen it was all kind of known in advance and and now if we can start hitting the media picking this up and being interested in it for the next year leading into next session hit next session hard then we know where we stand and we can spend you know the time after that educating on voters educating voters on why we're putting out what we're putting out what the legislators have and haven't done and um, getting them you know basically to sympathize with us those who aren't interested in cannabis and could care one way or the other you know talking to them about how the economy was shot and how this is our our chance to revive that talking to them about how you know these republicans who are anti-cannabis can't possibly be proponents of personal freedoms and just really getting them to see that even if you don't personally care about the issue of cannabis it affects our entire society and more particularly our local communities our own children our school systems um and so we should all be be heavily interested in the outcome I mean, it's quite true because it, it, cannabis issues, it, it, we always say it's all about having patients access to, the, to cannabis. And that is definitely a, a driving force. It was my driving force to get started in the first place. And yet another important per, uh, idea is that if we don't also look at legalization, we're looking at taking a, a medicine, putting it underground, and again, letting the criminals take over the, the industry. Now, I'm not going to call the legacy market criminals or not. They're basically, they were trying to do what they could do under the laws they currently had at that time. And the criminals taking over the industry are the ones who have bribed city council members. The criminals taking over the industry are the ones writing campaign donation checks, Gary. Let me say something a little So I, I would like to interject something a little controversial because I do think that this is important moving forward too. There is, there is, um, two subsets, I would say, of the quote unquote black market. So the legacy market is who we see as just people who believe in freedoms and really knew from the start that these laws were silly and they've been actually instrumental in you know, helping not just their local communities, but these are generally good people, right? There is another side of that. And we, you know, you got mainstream trying to call it all bad. And then you've got the cannabis community trying to call it all good. And it's just not that way. There is an organized crime um, funding that comes from prohibition. And that funding also funds sex trafficking, sex trafficking of children, um, using children to import drugs, using children to sell drugs. Um, I mean, there is a lot of harm from that side of things. And so while we should be clear that, you know, our current industry should be thankful to the legacy market, incorporating them in the growth of the industry. And we all, you know, should be thankful uh, for, for the people that came before us. But there is another side that I think if we're gonna move forward with mainstream, um, opening their eyes and ears and being more receptive, we do have to acknowledge that other side and that, um, you know, the war on drugs and prohibition have funded some of these very, very ugly organized crime um, sex rings and child sex rings. And, um, you know, that's it's important because that's where the money comes from for those kinds of things to become organized. Originally were drugs and the government knew that and the government was making money off of that. The same politicians who were taking money uh, from organized crime for alcohol prohibition continued to be paid uh, under cannabis prohibition. Yeah, let's, let's not forget that uh, <clears throat> Al Capone was was not really uh, a drunk. <laughs> what he was was somebody who understood that there was like, it was a criminal enterprise that he could make hay on because of the fact it was illegal. And so therefore, that became the, the norm. Once we had prohibition, all of a sudden we had alcohol-related crime. Also, Gary, just to point out, Al Capone was not arrested for, uh, you know, actually getting caught with, with any weight on him. He was not caught with a body. He was caught for tax evasion. Well, absolutely. You know, the, the, the legislature is basically the, the keepers of the purse. And they have found out that oftentimes they could use that as, as opposed to, to other somewhat uh, morally uh, subjective ideas. 
that to, to go ahead and put people in prison. So it, it, it was a solid way to actually put them in prison without any consternation or corruption. Because well, at that point in time, the IRS was a bit more um, ideal. And speaking of the IRS, that's one of the reasons why um, folks in the in the legal cannabis industry have been pushing for the Safe Banking Act to become a reality. And so, you know, uh, the Safe Banking Act, um, uh, although it's not a standalone bill, has been added uh, into the American Competes Act, uh, which has passed the House, and now it goes on to the Senate. So asking, uh, you know, our senators, asking Rick Scott, asking Marco Rubio uh, to keep the safe banking language in the American Competes Act uh, so that that way we can have a legal cannabis market uh, that is legitimate, that, that you know, it, you know, essentially, you, you know, you don't put yourself at risk of being an entrepreneur in this market and ended up getting busted uh, by the the IRS, much of the way we saw uh, Steve D'Angelo and Harborside Health have been fighting uh, for many years, uh, uh, you know, in having a legal cannabis market and having to deal with uh, how you pay your taxes when it's federally illegal. You know, that, that's an interesting segue to uh, to the, something we, we want to bring up here just in the, in the middle of what we still have a, a lot of folks who are, who are have, have their eyes on us. And that is we have somebody who is an icon in the legalization movement who didn't necessarily start that way, but get, but, but moved forward on that. And, and that is our special guest that we're coming up on, on March the 2nd. How's that for a segue? Ah, I like that segue. And this is Tommy Chong, and I want everybody to listen to me on the Rotation Podcast. I went too okay. early. I went too early. No, I, I, was, I think early. that's just fine. That was for shock value. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, uh, Tommy, we're not, we're not going to go too heavily into his history when he's, when he's here. We're going we're to talk a little bit more deep subjects. But he started out as, as, as a musician, went into becoming a, a comedian, and then went into becoming a movie star, not necessarily thinking that he was there to change the uh, drug culture, is but that, just to enjoy me? it. I'm going to turn. Pardon? What happened? All right. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but as, as things went on, because of the fact he he was a, a popular icon at that point in time, he realized that there was a voice involved, and uh, in in part maybe after being uh, arrested for just selling bongs and having bongs, yes, it, it, uh, Chong's bongs, and, and having having to serve time on that, obviously he was not uh, <clears throat> immune from that kind of situation. He found himself uh, moving forward. We're hoping to go ahead and, and discuss those kind of things with him. And so we're hoping that you will join us on this every extra special uh, episode on March the 2nd. And for that, I think we should also put out a little cue that if you are interested in sponsoring this show, we, uh, we, we have, we've been uh, working this as a, uh, would you say a shoestring budget? Yeah. Oh, yeah. A broken shoestring. Nah, we, <laughs> the, our equipment's horrible. If you move the table, we the the sound changes in headphones. It, but anyways, anyways, we we're doing a hell of a job. I want to tell you why we're doing a hell of a job because this guy's busting in some, getting in some awesome guests on the show. Um, you know, everybody, everybody that's been on the show recently, from Nikki Free to 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 everybody has been uh, incredible and all of a sudden now we got tommy chong on let's play the video again this is tommy chong and i want everybody to listen to me on the rotation podcast don't you just uh, love that like I him saying that. that like like one more time just one more time <laughs> this is tommy chong and i want everybody to listen to me on the rotation podcast so it's a special episode. It's going to happen on a Wednesday um, at 11 on um, March 2nd. And, you know, everybody that watches the show now. 11 in the morning. I, I hope you're. No, hold on. That's 11 in the morning. Tommy's time because Tommy's in California. It's going to happen at 2 o'clock our time. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. Two o'clock our time. Yeah, that one. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how time works, guys. I'm sorry. I'm well, sorry. I'm when you get, four things When you start moving west, it starts going down. That's all there is to it. That's all you have to remember. <laughs> The fact is, if you'd be interested in sponsoring this show, if you'd be interested in seeing your name prominently figured with as we move forward, talk to us. We'd be more than happy to, to let you help us move this to the next level, to have more guests of influence, just like Tommy. It's that shameless. It's that shameless. If you want to be a part of this, you know, just let us know. Um, there's opportunities for that. And therefore, that'll give us less opportunity to talk about Pornhub and things like that since... Uh, <laughs> so i don't know i think mariah is having like uh technical failure she's like texting me what's going on 
But uh, either way, I mean, we can continue with the conversation, you know. It's, well, you know. We, we do have a big event coming up as well. I mean, we're doing a lot of big things as a Suncoast Normal uh, chapter. Uh, you know, obviously, the Tampa Bay Cannabis Business Expo. April 23rd, uh, it's going to be happening at 5508, uh, it, you know, uh, off of, uh, Hillsborough 50th uh, at the uh, co-work space. And if you're interested in becoming a vendor or a sponsor of the event, uh, you can visit our website, suncoastnormal.org, for more information. Or uh, you can email us at info at suncoastnormal.org. Again, uh, this is going to be the largest cannabis business expo uh, this spring. You want to be a part of it. Uh, we're highlighting all the different opportunities for folks to get into the industry. Uh, you know, And if you're a member of the industry already and you want to highlight your brand, this would be the expo that you want to be at. And we, we've we've suffered as far as the, the conference and educational part due to COVID for the last couple of years. We're finally getting to the point where we can actually start to expand again. And it's good to see that this is an event which will, which will have a large outdoor space, so it's still safer as, as we are still somewhat involved in this pandemic. But we, you can come there and get a chance to enjoy the industry as it currently stands and to see how far we're moving forward and get a chance to see some absolutely amazing panels of people who, who can uh, give, uh, clarify the industry for you. And we expect this to be a massive event. We expect anybody who gets involved to get great publicity, great PR, and be able to move this industry forward because we are getting closer to legalization. And it's going to happen only through a combined effort of everybody in the ancillary and non-ancillary businesses to, as we move this forward. And I think that this is the perfect time, the perfect time for this expo to be coming in Tampa on the I-4 corridor. You can come at it from every direction, and we are here. <laughs> and let's not mention the best way to be a part of Suncoast Normal. And what is the that? easiest way yeah? is to join Suncoast Normal. We are a membership organization, uh, 501c4 political advocacy group. You can join at suncoastnormal.org uh, slash membership. You get that gold leaf pen, pen come over to Chillum, 25% off of Chillum. No problem. Hey, 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 anything else you guys want to add? You guys want to add the show? Uh, <laughs> how much time we got left? Well, I hope, I hope uh, we can invite Mariah to come back and be a part of our Women in Cannabis uh, Expo panel. Uh, we're putting together some amazing panels. We'll have a panel on Women in Cannabis uh, at the Expo. We're going to have a panel on, on medical marijuana and healthy living. Uh, we'll definitely have a social justice panel taking a deep dive into the these uh, issues on the war on drugs and how it's affected various communities. And then, of course, we're going to talk about the cannabis industry uh, in Florida. And so we're looking forward to having a diverse panel of uh, everyone from folks in the hemp industry uh, to MMTCs, to doctors' clinics, to advocacy organizations like normal. Yeah, and, and Mo, uh, if you if you watch us on replay, or if you can still hear us now, uh, this was your segue to let us know, let people know about the fact that we are going to have that women in, in cannabis breakfast. That's just, that, that should be a, a good good platform for you guys to go ahead and put forward the message we're talking about because it is a powerful voice, it is a strong voice, and yeah, we, we kidded with, with, with Mo for a while, just tried to get her a little get under her skin a bit but that's what we do <laughs> and let's see if people that. don't walk away just a little bit irritated that's what you do gary i learned i learned mariah is a firecracker oh, i'm not trying to get her the most talk skin. about gary getting <laughs> into your skin guys. and i I, I, I even promised myself i would not do a single comment about peroni's disease while I, she was I, here you either. know you know gary i i love you i love you because no matter how how mean i am to you, you still you still love me back and and i'm sorry i love you <laughs> and, 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 I, and you stopped smoking cigarettes, so I love you too. Uh, thank you. That's why you love me. <laughs> Still getting no, over it. Um, let's just okay. So we're gonna end the show. We gotta end the show, guys. But I just one more thing. One more thing. One more thing. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, Kathy Jordan and her twenty years of advocacy today. Um, all of us, uh, including Mariah, are uh, involved in some way. Kano, you even donated all the way in Washington D.C. You're still still. Uh, you know, uh, put money out of your own pocket to to make sure that Normal was involved with, in the event. So you said Ch it's a Bitcoin, right? Chillum's evolved. In the, <laughs> I don't know an NFT. How does that work? I have no idea. Um, but Chillum's involved in the event as well, and I'm going to be going. I think I need to register or something. But uh, you know, uh, this gentleman here will be speaking, and I believe Mariah is going too. So we're all involved with it. And, you know, uh, we're 20 years of advocacy for Kat Kathy Jordan. And I think that's just an incredible thing to say because it's 20 years of ad advocacy with ALS. So uh, it's humbling to, you know, 
even though I was, I was uh, upset the entire time of this show, um, you know, uh, or, or, you know, felt uh, disheartened by where we are politically, you know, it's to remember there's 20 years of service there. So it's, it's pretty, it's pretty important. Yeah. I mean, Kathy is someone who challenged all the way up to the Florida Supreme Court for the right to, to her medicine and essentially, you know, helps uh, set a case precedence uh, for a medical defense necessity. And I think that in this state, as we move forward, we cannot forget uh, those who have come before us in this advocacy movement. So uh, happy to be a part of that to celebrate uh, all the work that Kathy's done over the last 20 years. And me, me and Gary will give her a hug for you, Kenna. Appreciate y'all. Absolutely. Well, well, we'll catch everyone next week. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. This has been The Rotation, and you have been a part of it. You can be a bigger part of it by joining Suncoast Normal. Suncoast Normal is an organization that can help you make the change that we all need. Go to the Suncoast Normal website and become a member because that is how you become part of the change. You can find the Rotation Podcast on both SoundCloud and iTunes, but you can always join us in the Rotation at suncoastnormal.org. At that very website, you can join the cannabis movement by becoming a member of Suncoast Normal. Gain access to cannabis events, cannabis info, Normal's legal network, and even a free membership to National, all by joining Suncoast Normal. That website again is suncoastnorml.org. You can also find us on social media at Suncoast Normal. Uh, find us on both Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you, Gary, and good night. Good night.